This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast. The podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development. Keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to episode four of Business Women Australia podcast. I'm your host, Henry Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, recent Gallup studies have shown that actively disengaged employees outnumber engaged employees by at least two to one on a global scale. Now, according to my guest, she believes that because we have around 50% of disengagement of employees, this says that we've got a problem with leadership and the environments that we create in business. And you know what? She's on a personal mission to change that. And joining me today is Rebecca Livesey. She's an executive coach and leadership specialist, and she's passionate about creating lasting positive change in business and the critical role of feminine energy in doing this. She believes that we all have true equality when the feminine is valued in balance with the masculine in both women and men and society at large. And Rebecca has held numerous leadership roles across Australia and the UK in a range of industries, including energy, logistics and mining services, even being a CIO with no technical background. She has an MA in mathematics from Oxford and is an accredited behavioural profiler and NLP mindset coach. Now on today's show, Rebecca is going to share how to take the gender diversity debate up a level and frame as energy types, how to fix the system rather than fix women, as well as three pillars of leadership that come to life when we work with horses. Can't wait to hear more about that. So welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hi, Tamari. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) That study that you mentioned about the Gallup studies, two to one, that's incredible, isn't it? It is. It's one of those milestones in life when I read that and I it was a while ago and I read that and I thought, this is not good. We seem to just go, OK, we've got disengagement in the world. Uh, we'll just keep going and doing the same things again and again. And for me, that's not right. We, we've got an issue in the world of business if we're accepting this as a statistic. So, yes, yeah, so that's something I would really want to do something about. Oh, absolutely. And of course, being on a global scale, I know many uh, business owners, we read some of these studies and we think, you know what, well, that was done in the US or the UK. But in actual fact, this is uh, worldwide. And I know for many of us who are listening to this podcast, we do have smaller businesses, which means that often the team that we do have uh, working alongside us, we want to make sure that they are engaged because as we know disengaged employees have low productivity low performance and no business can afford it but particularly for small businesses let's talk about some of the things that you wanted to share today you know how to take the gender diversity debate up a level and frame as energy types firstly define for us energy types please so that we're all on the same page Yeah, so when we look at masculine and feminine energy, we're talking about a state or behaviours that we can choose to adopt, Mm -hmm. regardless of gender. And in the world of business, we've highly masculinised it. So we've said, 
it's about process, direction, linear thinking, winning against the competitors, mm. that sort of thing. And that's great. There's very functional energy types in that that we want to adopt. But a lot of the times we are missing out on the feminine, which is how do we collaborate? How do we have empathy? How do we work with people? How do we fight for the greater good, not just for the individual? And I, I truly believe that one of the issues we have in work with the disengagement statistics is that we don't value the feminine. So we don't value the people side of things and the potential we can get through people. Although there are lots of organizations doing great work in this space, the one thing that always shows how much we value this is when we don't hit budget or we don't hit our business plan, what's the first thing that happens? Hmm. And we cut costs or we do redundancies or we cut training. All of these things that would be supporting people are the yes. first things to go so we don't really value that if that's the first thing to go the fact that you said you know working with people is is part of a feminine energy i mean let's face it team working with customers clients key stakeholders in business it's all about relationships so if yeah. we're not creating an environment in which we really do value that yeah i can see that we're really missing missing all marks on that area what would you say would then be something that organizations need to do differently i mean obviously they need to put relationships first but wh why do you think that they cut that right out is it panic mode i mean wh what kind of things have you seen so I think it's the soft skills in inverted commas yeah. are actually the hardest to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the um, if we've got organizations that are great at values and behaviors that go with the values. So, for example, they understand what's important to them about how they work, not just what they do. And organizations that are great at how they work with their behaviors and their values really talked about, emphasized, used in performance discussions, then that drives that behavioral cultural feel for people mm -hmm. the challenge is they are very difficult to have conversations around because they can be a bit more subjective and they're not as easy as saying did you hit the numbers or not and so we revert to the easy conversations which are did you hit the kpis rather than the harder conversations which is well how did you hit those KPIs? And let's talk about that. Many of the, the listeners, as we know, who are listening to this is, is our business women, being that it's the Business Women Australia mm. podcast. So when you look at then at uh, what we're just talking about, you know, being masculine energy versus feminine energy, when we have women as leaders in our business, are you finding that many of us as leaders are taking on or exuding, if you will, the masculine energy when we're approaching work? Or are we as women in business and leaders in our businesses, we are starting to get this right? Yeah, I think there has been a pattern to say masculinized leadership is the model. Mm. And there is lots of function in the masculine. So this is not saying we need to be one or the other. It's saying how do we get the functioning best of both? Yes. Um, but the, the challenge with the dysfunctional masculine is that it drives a lot of the internal competition that we see in businesses. So when people describe toxic environments with politics where you're winning out against your colleagues rather than winning in your market, we're driving the wrong sort of behaviors. Mm. Um, and so it, it stops that collective feeling that we're all fighting here for an idea. We're fighting for an outcome together rather than fighting each other for the status. I've seen women feel like they have to masculinize themselves to, mm. to get to the top and, and men too, to be honest. I mean, one of these signposts in life for me was when I had a feminine energy guy working for me who said he'd never want to work at the top of an organization. 
because of the behaviours. And, mm. and he was an awesome guy with so much potential and he'd opted out as well. As you're saying that, particularly when we're looking at feminine energy and masculine energy and, and the behaviours that are associated with each, I've had a number of guests on a number of podcasts of women who are in senior level roles, CIO and you know working alongside the CEO, who very much took on masculine energy to the point that they fell ill. I'm talking mm. life challenging illnesses we just can't operate at that level can we continuously um, when it's really quite against who we are yes yeah completely and the and the sad thing is that this this conversation is coming around because we're talking about women in leadership and yes. we want to drive gender diversity absolutely but the sad thing is it's actually precluding a lot of men as well mm. so when we see all of the studies and the um the work that's done showing how much we devalue emotion in men and little boys like we're doing the same thing there we're saying there's only one model and it's this masculinized model and that hurts all of us my mission is we value the feminine in alongside the masculine and everybody can access both and they're valued equally yeah i know and i can't recall the study the exact studies but i know that workplaces who have adopted um more of a feminine energy and 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 this is around the soft skills if you will the the valuing of the people um the collaboration and certainly real empathy the significant differences in the way the team approach one another and that obviously then trickles down into the relationships that they have externally with customers and key stakeholders are remarkably different so I think for organizations it really uh, that may recognize okay I think we need to to get more of a balance and an awareness around that there are real benefits and outcomes for businesses who have adopted have adopted this yes Yes, and one of the key things we see in businesses that have this working really well is their emphasis is more on trust than control. Mm. And so if you take something as simple as do we let people work from home, for example, or do we have people have flexible working? If we are approaching this with a holistic view and we've got a great balance of the masculine and the feminine, there's a lot of trust in that. If we go down the old world, if you like, of, of business, it's like, well, you can't work from home. How can I possibly know what you're doing and if you're not at your desk then I can't see you so yeah. it's much more controlling and that really reduces people's productivity and it reduces their will to actually make a difference so this trust versus control is a really interesting dynamic that plays out in businesses when we see how much masculine or feminine energy they have in them yeah I mean you gave the example there about building trust in a situation where someone can um, perhaps take work home and, and work from their home base but I would imagine that even in the workplace if you have or if you are a leader that has kind of you know issues around trust with your team your team are just not going to be able to operate I know I'm sure ourselves if we're working for someone who doesn't really trust us it's not a good place to be is it no, it's not. It's almost like, can we treat people like people, you know? Mm. Sometimes this uh, this ability to just be a human at work goes out the window. Um, but I think humanness uh, has both these energies. I think of it like, um, you know, like the infinity symbol. Yes. Like the figure of eight on its side. And I think of it like that, as in we need to be able to move through that flow between masculine and feminine. We've got like looking for whatever outcomes we want. Yeah. So we need to be able to access both and have flow rather than just say, actually, 
leadership is about being direct and striving through and winning and controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about how do you access both and have that flow. Yeah, very important. Well, let's talk about then how do we start to fix that, uh, you know, the system rather than, say, fixing, and I'm holding up the inverted commas, women. You know, one (laughs) of the things that you say is how do we do? Do we embrace feminine leadership and make a difference within the organisation and, of course, business at large? Love to hear some of the insights around that. There's a couple of things there. It's really important that we work on our environment, which is the culture in which everyone lives, if mm-hmm. like at work. And so do we, do we have a strong purpose that everybody understands and is communicated to about? Do we have strong values about how we work together? And do we protect that at all costs? So are we working for that, for that idea and for those values, or are we working to just get an outcome? And so that balance is really important. And I, I see businesses where they've done, they said, oh, we've got values and they've got a nice laminated list on the wall mm-hmm. and they point at that in every meeting, but it's not in the DNA. They don't have conversations about them. They don't use them as a way of working. So I think that's really important. And then the second thing, it's fascinating this, um, I always say, can we fix business before we fix women? Because some of the um, insidious messaging out there for women is um, in the same way in beauty magazines it's been there forever about you're just not good enough unless you do this it's the same with leadership so the number of articles out there now every week that say women just do these five things and then you'll be better at leadership and that's saying do the five things that fit into the old environment Mm. and so we need to make sure that we we read those and we go actually no that's actually assuming that we want women to work in the old environment when actually we want to create a new one. That makes so much sense. You know, one of the things that you were saying earlier around the first point about having that strong purpose, having strong values, I mean, obviously some of those values within an organisation are going to be around, well, it's really around the experience that we create, how we're going to do that, as you mentioned in, in the first point. So I would imagine that some of those key values are going to be about Uh, creating relationships that do have the empathy, that do value others and and contribution and and so forth. Are there some key things that you see specifically missing from organisations when they're looking at at, at values? What would you say to someone if they were to look at their values and, and say, you know what, if you don't have these things in there, that means you need to go revisit and get a new list of of values. So there has to be a balance of both masculine and feminine Mm. as in we are here to achieve something in business so we can't just you know dump all of the outcome achievement focused goals and just focus on being nice to each other or having empathy so there has to be a balance Mm -hmm. um what i find I, i ask people how do they show care so this is always an interesting one so uh is there a value of care or or something in there so how do they care for their customers how do they care for their employees how do they care for their business i think care is a fascinating one to throw in there because that will show the types of behaviors that are commonplace Mm. and if they want to change them then that's what they're working on and then we say well what would we do if we had a lens of care over this so that's one i always try and throw in there just to see how 
businesses respond. You know, it's interesting as you're saying that I recall a, a story, uh, it, it, it was a true story and a colleague and I had to kind of chuckle about it. There was a, a woman leader and she had very masculine energy about her to the point where on the empathy scale, it was probably really down low. And she said to her coach, look, will you just teach me, show me what tips can I use that I can at least seem that I care about people. I mean, for some people, the, the empathy scale, they really have to uh, determine and uh, because it's just not part of who, who they are, yes? Yes, yeah, that's like me way back in the day. I think I did some behavioral profiling when I was on a leadership team and I came up on as the only people focused person on this team. Yeah. And one of the guys said to me, he was very logical, he said, give me a list of all the things that I need to do every day to show that I'm a people person. <laughs> and I'm like, um, you might have missed the point. Yeah. So yes, I think, you know, some people are naturally more people focused, some people are naturally more task focused. Neither of one of those is good or bad. It's about mm. how do we, how do we work together? How do we appreciate that about each other? And how do we not overvalue one over the other, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and I would imagine that in that case, let's say for instance you had more of the, the masculine energy, it's being aware that there are other people in your team that do appreciate uh, maybe it's a, hey, that was a great job or how was your day, you know, adapting a little bit to enable you to approach them in the way that they feel valued as a you know key team member. Uh, and that kind of thing is really important, isn't it? It's having an awareness of uh, others and being able to adapt. It doesn't mean that we have to be that way all the time, but I think showing that appreciation for someone that enjoys that um, is going to make a significant difference in how they then interact and, and how they show up in the workplace. Is that what you found? Yeah, and it's the, uh, I often tell people who are very task and direction focused, so more of that masculine energy, I often tell them they'll get more efficiency, so we use language that they understand, mm. we'll get more efficiency out of their people if they show gratitude, if they show appreciation, if they say hello in the morning. Um, so it's, it's, it's almost saying, look, this is an asset for you, so how do you get the best out of that asset? Yeah. And they understand that when you talk processes and literal assets. So we'll try and change it to say, this is how you get the best out of your people. Now, the challenge we've got in business is that we've overvalued the task direction focused people. And so they're the ones that are making their way up the ladder. And so they're creating cultures where the people side isn't as valued as highly. And that's the bit we've got to shift. That's the bit we've got to change. That is something I would imagine often for organisations just cannot happen overnight. For someone who's listening today that can recognise, you know what, I think that we have valued in our organisation and in our business more of the, the masculine energy, what would be one or two things that they could start to do to start shifting that approach? So the first thing goes back to care. So I would get them to either ask questions or start thinking about how they show care in the organization, yeah. be that to customers or employees. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is how much they embrace uncertainty as an organization and as an individual. So a lot of the time, masculine energy drives certainty, Is it as in it wants things to be certain and safe. And that's cool. In, in situations but if that's all we do we miss out on innovation and creativity mm -hmm. and all of the uncertain elements that actually create magic and so if we've got leaders that 
their first default when they come across something uncomfortable or they come across something that's uncertain is to go, right, how do I make this certain? So they'll control it or they'll be the person that knows everything and is always right mm -hmm. or they'll avoid it or, or anything there around driving certainty where the feminine would sit in the uncertainty and go, oh, okay, right, what can I learn about this? How do I embrace this? What happens if I let it flow for a bit? So I think seeing that uncertainty, certainty in a business is really important as well. I know as, a, uh, as someone, I do like to have certainty, but I do like innovation and creativity too. But it's with any, like with anything, isn't it? If there is something new, you have to be mindful of it, set the intention and then just take the, the right steps to ensure that that is starting to, to be embraced within the organisation. Let's talk about the three pillars of leadership that come to life when we work with horses. So before you, you answer those questions, so you work with horses as well in, in the work that you do? <laughs> yes, yeah, so it sounds really strange. I know. The, um, uh, I, I have a business partner and one of our products that we in this space is a horse leadership program. So yeah. we teach leadership, but we use horses to do so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are like, it's like, uh, you know, the horse whisperer. Yes. The horse whisperer? It's that sort of thing. So the horses respond to our energy in our states and yeah. they mirror it back to you. So it's a fascinating way of seeing well, what's how do I turn up as a leader? And the animals will either choose to work with you or not, depending on your emotional state and how consistent and purposeful you are. Mm. So it's a beautiful way of seeing this masculine feminine balance play out in people. Oh, incredible. Um, I know. And for most people, you put them in front of a big snorty horse, <laughs> they get quite uncertain. <laughs> And then we say, now you need to move that horse without touching it. Yes. And they're even more uncertain. And so in that moment of uncertainty, we see their default leadership style and it's not always functional. And that's where we can help. Mm. So that's this, the ability to be okay with not knowing things, to be okay with the unfamiliar, um, to manage our emotional state in that space as well so it, it's just amazing and, and the horses are beautiful yeah, yeah it's a wonderful thing to do oh well it's interesting that you should say that because um one of my mentors for many many years ago she was in the u.s a horse person still is and um she did a lot of work with horses too and i know that there's a handful of people that do uh that similar work here in australia too and they are and i, I grew up on a farm so i've had horses they are incredibly intelligent uh, animals and uh, I can see how when when yeah when incorporated into uh, coaching and, and programs can can certainly help us uh, shift some of our mindset so that what are the three pillars of, of leadership that you see come to life yeah so we use uh, three pillars that we call certainty presence and service mm -hmm. so the certainty is what it's an inner state as opposed to an outer confidence so a lot of the time where we tell people they need to be confident and it's not that people need to be confident, isn't they need to have that inner certainty to know that they're going to be okay in any situation. And so that's more of an inner job than an outer job. Yeah. So we teach that certainty, which is, do you back yourself? Can you ask the right questions? Do you mm. have a solid emotional state? That, that's the inner certainty. The present side is, am I in my head or am I in my heart? So if we are constantly in our head, you know, people approach the horses and they're thinking, am I doing this right? Is the horse going to like me? What happens if the horse doesn't like me? Does that mean I'm a bad person? All of those inner dialogue is all in our head and we're not present in that moment. 
So we talk about how do we get present to the animal, which is also present to people. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is service. So if we think about that dialogue, is the horse going to like me? What happens if he doesn't? We're making it all about us. Mm-hmm. When service is, what do my, what does the animal and what do my team need from me right now to be successful? It's about others. So that, those three, that triangle, if you like, of certainty, presence, and service, are what we teach through the horsemanship. Um, and it's a brilliant way to manage a consistent leadership state to take back to the workplace. Yes. Amazing. So I would say that the clients come out to you guys. You don't bring the horses into the into the office. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? That would drive yeah. a level of uncertainty, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we um, at the moment we do it in a beautiful spot uh, in sort of Brisbane hinterland at a winery. So it's a lovely oh, spot. Wow. Um, yeah, and we bring the horses. The horses live in Maryborough, and they come down for that. Amazing. So with each of those three uh, key pillars of leadership, of course, certainty, presence and service, do you use different exercises, if you will, with each of those? Or you kind of get someone to, to think about that, that uh, you know, it's like confidence and then move forward and then the horse follows. I'm just fascinated um, in, in how that all works. Well, the first one we always test is certainty. So that's like the base level. Um, and we do that by literally putting them out to paddock straight away. So yeah. working with the horses with no no warning, if you like. So mm-hmm. they get a safety briefing, obviously. But the, then it's like putting people in front of the horses and seeing what happens because mm-hmm. that's when their certainty will be rocked. And then we play with presence and service. And so we do it's a two-day course and we, we do all of that on day one. And then on day two, we, we check in with the uh, participants and say, well, where do you think you fall down? Like what? What's the challenge for you in each of those three? And for some people, it's presence because they just don't know how to stop their inner chatter. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, it's service because even though we think we're nice, unselfish people, when we're doing something different, a lot of the time we make it about ourselves. So we do a lot of teamwork exercises with them and the horses to mm. get that level of service up. I could imagine this is amazing because as you say, there's when you've got this massive animal on the other side of, of you um, that's giving feedback almost instantaneously from, from how we're handling and, you know, how we're behaving, it uh, really does hold a mirror up to, to, uh, to the impact that, it that, that it's... And we've got yeah. two really different horses. So one of them's very dominant and we've had people that are very dominant try and take him on, like in the sense oh. of... They go head to head, and the horse just looks at you. And oh, goes, there you go. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he and he's a, he's almost got um, he he likes purposeful work, so he gets bored really easily. Really? So if you're not keeping him engaged, he wow. he'll do things. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the other one is a complete and utter love. He he wants to do the right thing, and oh. he gets very stressed when um when your directions aren't clear, and he doesn't know what you want to do. He worries he's going to get it wrong. Yeah. So again, like people in the workplace, two very different characters and our approach. So even though certainty, presence and service work for both, the approach that we have within that has to be quite different. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. And do you have any uh, videos on online that, that shows? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a website, hookedonleadership.com.au, which has got a whole load of info. And we've got a Facebook page where... The horses come to visit every now and again as well. So, mm. um, and we call it Hooked on Leadership because we do a lot of, it's called liberty work where there's no halter 
the horse chooses to work with you or not. Yeah. And when they hook on, they literally will follow you around through obstacle courses and all kinds of things because they're trusting you. Yes. And that's the oh, when we get our participants to that stage, mm. that you know, there's just this brilliant connection and oh, it's amazing. They love it. It's, yeah. it's very special. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Particularly if uh, they have not really had any interaction with horses uh, before, it can be really quite confronting, can't it, to be in a in a paddock with such a, a large animal? And <laughs> uh, but they are such beautiful beings. I mean, what an incredible opportunity! So share again uh, the website that people can find out more about that, and that's the main website then for you, Rebecca. Um, so I have two websites. That product is called Hooked on Leadership and it's hookedonleadership.com.au. And then my business is achieveleadsucceed.com. And that's also got the masculine, feminine energy work, um, the, the leadership work that I do as well. Fantastic. And if there was one last insight that you would like to share with people today, what would that be? That we look for all opportunities to value the feminine alongside the masculine. And if we feel like it's being devalued in our workplace or by ourselves, look for opportunities to bring it back in. Mm, so very important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Amory. It's been a pleasure. Well, of course, that brings us to the end of another show. And please go and check out those two websites that Rebecca shared and certainly find out more about that incredible program that she just spoke about with the horses. Now, if you want to find out more about women and Business Women Australia in particularly, and how you can become part of this dynamic collective of leaders and learners so you can gain the knowledge and skills that will enable you to succeed in business. All you need to do is go to their website, www.businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au. Hi, it's Anne-Marie. Have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step -step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training.